playing on Cats in the New Jurassic World movie? I don't know. The first one was pretty good, and and I do like Chris Pratt. Yeah, I hear I hear really good things about Chris Pratt and the CG and nothing else. So I'm sure I'm sure that'll be entertaining time. And g- oh. welcome everybody to the Toe Meat Leather Podcast. I'm Logan, and here with me today is our movie review critic Andrew. How's it going? Everything gets two thumbs down. <laughs> well, uh, today we're talking about. Conference USA and the Mac. I'm trying to think of some good car comparisons. You know, we're talking about the last some of the lower tier teams of the Group of Five. So last week we were talking about, you know, the Mountain West, which you could compare to like some kind of sports car. And now we're talking about what you might say is a uh, station wagon, probably. You know, maybe a van. I don't know. Uh, Anyway, these are some of the lower tier in the group of five that we're getting down to the nitty gritty on. I would say, would you agree with that statement? These are probably the lower tier where we're getting to. These teams aren't really competing for a New Year Six Bowl, let's say. Not currently. I do think you have one team that might, um, especially out of Conference USA. I don't know if you really have a Mac team that's going to. Um, the Mac is fantastic because it gives us midweek Mac starting in November, which I absolutely love and is magical. But yeah, I think we've kind of started. General consensus is the AAC is the best of the, the group of five. And then, you know, you step into the fact that the Mountain West is probably the next one. And we're, as you're right, we're kind of going down the latter as to, you know, which is which and and kind of how they stack up together. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. I mean, I, I, we're kind of filling in the gaps here. I do like the MAC. They have some of the more fun matchups. I can't say the same about Conference USA. I really haven't watched as much of them as of recent. But uh, we're kind of getting down into – where we're covering these teams just to make sure we're not missing out on anybody or any potential dark horses. So speaking of Maction being magic, I'll let you go ahead and kick it off with the Mac. Possibly the biggest uh, dog in the fight, Toledo, coming into the year for the Mac. Yeah, the Rockets have really put together a good season. It's it's Jason Candle's third year. Um, He's 21-7. and which is always really good to have. He's been able to keep his staff together, which is always helpful, especially at that level. A lot of times when you have a coordinator who's really successful at the the group of five level, they'll kind of get poached. As well as the MAC has really def- been a a stepping stone to bigger jobs. You've seen a lot of guys, Dino Babers at Syracuse, Dave Dorn at NC State, P.J. Fleck at Minnesota. You know, it's it's been a breeding ground for young coaches to kind of get a chance especially it's almost kind of like the big tens farm system (laughs) when you really kind of look at it because they overlap geographically with the big 10 well and the recruiting kind of overlaps as well so you've kind of got if you can make it in the back and you can pretty much make it anywhere in the big 10 yeah i think it sets up for that really well but in terms of toledo you know they went 11 and 3 they're the returning champions they did get blown out by App State in the Dollar General Bowl. Uh, but bowls are, I don't know, they're kind of exhibitions. Well, they're also... I don't put a lot of stock in ex- the ones, especially anything below the playoff, really. Uh, Toledo offensively has got a lot to replace. Their record-setting quarterback, Logan Woodside, is gone. Their all-Mac running back, Terry Swanson, is gone. And they lost both of their starting tackles, who are also all-Mac players. So there's a couple of holes on offense that I feel they're going to have to replace... I think they should be okay. It'll be kind of interesting to see who takes the job at quarterback. There's a, you know, it's it's probably going to be Mitchell Guadagni, and I probably butchered that name. Oh, no doubt. <laughs> Sorry, Toledo fans. But their schedule sets up all right. They play Kent State, who's usually not very good. They play Ball State, who's not very good. They play Bowling Green, who's not supposed to be very good. You know, they get Central Michigan, who's who's a decent program. They get Western, who has struggled a little bit with the leaving of P.J. Fleck, but is still a team that's recruited well and has some talent. 
you know, they get they play all those Michigans, actually. Now, the tough one's going to be November 7th at Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois is probably the other favorite on the western side of the MAC. So that might be the game you really need to look look for as, as kind of the deciding. And then October 20th against Buffalo. I think Buffalo is a team that has a chance to really surprise some people well, in the MAC this year. Well, we'll get to Buffalo and Northern Illinois a little bit later. But I would say that, yeah, clearly Toledo is the front runner. And uh, they've got a little bit to reload on, but it sounds like based on everything you described – uh, they're not nothing really serious challenging. Them. Yeah, and, and I think if they have another season, especially if they win the MAC again, I think Jason Candle has got to be a name that Illinois looks at. Because uh, unfortunately, I don't think Lovey Smith's going to make it another year at Illinois. Hmm. So Jason Candle's a guy I think they might can take a look at. While we're still in the MAC, let's move on to another team that's in Ohio. Talking about my favorite team, the Ohio Bobcats. So, Ohio's problem last year was one of consistency. In their wins, offense and defensive played immaculately. In their losses, the offense and defense were good, but they weren't good enough to win some very close matchups. They were in the 82nd percentile of all teams uh, in their victories. In their losses, they were in the 30th percentile. So, yeah, there's kind of a steep drop-off there in terms of performance. As far as talent goes, they've got their QB, Rourke, who's returning with a good receiving core, but they lose some starters on the line and at running back. Their defense also loses some players, but I'm more concerned about the offense as most of the defensive players that are taking over have had experience in at least a few games last year. You've got three seniors at safety, three sophomores at cornerback, and sophomores and seniors on the D-line and at linebacker. Overall, Ohio also has a pretty easy schedule, possibly the hardest game of the year being on the road at NIU. I think Ohio's in a pretty decent position to go 9-3 and three and possibly challenge for the MAC title if they can find consistency. Because consistency at the end of the day, that's key. and that's So I'm hoping to see that out of Ohio. I can agree with you. I actually think Ohio is a lot of fun to watch. Nathan Rourke and A.J. Ouellette, the running back, are really fun players. They, they run kind of a – it's a funky option type offense, which which is a really – I think, again, they, as, as someone who loves the option. It's weird because it reminds me a little bit of what Auburn used to do. And a little bit. Of, it, does, it does yeah. have a bit of the Gus Malzahn feel to it. Now, Frank Solich, the head coach, is a Tom Osborne, Nebraska guy. Uh-huh. You know, I, I really like the success he's had at Ohio because I, to this day, feel that he was done dirty at Nebraska. You know, he kind of got the Bo Pelini treatment. Oh, well, you're winning nine games. That's not nearly enough yeah, for a blue blood, blue blood like Nebraska. Now, you know, they were coming off Tom Osborne. I, I am a bit worried. He's he's coming on 73 now. He is a little I'm old. Like, so I'm, I'm not, like, he could have a heart to, attack. To be fair, that does help, though, that he will not be poached by another school. That's fair. The either crazier part is, like I said with the guy Candle at Toledo, Solich has the same defensive coordinator and the same offensive coordinator he's had since he's been there, which is going to help with some consistency. I honestly think they could probably go into Charlottesville and beat Virginia Week 2. I really don't see Virginia being a problem. I, am I, I not, think that's definitely a game that Ohio has a chance to win. Well, I'm not joking when I said that I think NIU is the hardest game on their schedule. And they do play some games. I think Cincinnati. Cincinnati's another one that – because I think, I think Luke Fickle's got – as we talked about in our AAC, I think Fickle's – again, I don't know if Cincinnati's there this year, but I think they're getting better. So why don't you tell us about Buffalo, yeah. Andrew? Buffalo's the team in the MAC that I want to be good – more so than anyone else. I love their head coach, Lance Leopold. He won everything there was to win at the D3 level when he was at Wisconsin-Whitewater. I mean, multiple national championships, consecutive national championships. I mean, it was pretty much at the D3 level. It was them or Mount Union every single year. Just whenever you say Wisconsin-Whitewater, I'm like, oh, that, that water park in Atlanta. Okay. <laughs> you know, they, they went 6-6 six and six last year and didn't get a bowl game invite, which, you know, it's kind of not very nice. I don't, I don't like that. There's only so much to go around. I mean, Agreed. we didn't, get a, we didn't um, get a bowl bid. Georgia Tech didn't get a bowl bid. I really well, – we also only went 5-6. and six. <laughs> Minor details. <laughs> um, 
I, I really would love a chance to try to watch them. That's one of the big negatives, I think, about Conference USA is they're hard to find on TV. Mac. My bad, Mac. Actually, for Conference, it's true for Conference USA, it's too. It's true for both of them. Right. But Mac, I think it's one of the reasons they play. Now, they did have three injured quarterbacks, um, a seven-overtime loss to Western Michigan, and there's there's talent there. I love that their quarterback is six foot seven, two 245 pounds. In Tyree Jackson, that's oh, a yeah. that's a big man. <laughs> well, and he can make he can make some plays too if you watch yeah, him. Yeah, I mean, he's he's an athletic player, which is fun. They've got a really good wide receiver in Anthony Johnson, six two two oh seven. You know, thirteen hundred yards, fourteen touchdowns. He's a guy that I think NFL scouts are going to be up in Buffalo well, taking a look at. Well, and I think the thing is, like like you said, I could see them having a lot of success this year. The key thing is they. And you can say this about a lot of MAC teams. They caught some bad breaks. You bring up the seven overtimes against Western Michigan. It's like, what are you supposed to do? You played your heart out and you lost a backbreaker. Yeah, like you know, a one-point loss to Akron, a four-point loss to Army. Uh, you know, uh, you can't really excuse the ten-point loss to Miami, Ohio. They don't get Northern Illinois this year, which is going to help. They've got a late, you know, November the 14th at Ohio will be a big one. Um, October the 20th at Toledo. It'll be another big one. And, you know, they play Army again at the end of September, which, I mean, you know me. I watch any service academy football I can get my hands oh, on. Huge on it. But, yeah, I think they got a good shot of contending. Now, I don't know I don't know that they're going to get much more than eight wins unless they pull a couple of upsets, but I think they could potentially contend. Yeah, but even eight wins is definitely a step in the right direction. Well, for, for this for, for this Buffalo program, because I mean, when Leopold came in, they went five and seven, two and ten, and six and six. So you know, it's been after going one hundred and nine and six at Wisconsin Whitewater. Well, again, for it's key for a team that doesn't make the bowls a lot. They're turning it around. He won six and national titles at Whitewater, by the way. <laughs> doesn't does, I want to see him do it at Buffalo? I oh, I agree. I, I definitely agree. I and I I think he can trend him in the right direction. I think they've got the talent. They've got the returning players. They got a lot of starters coming back on the defensive side of the ball, and some talent offensively. So it'll right. be really exciting to to see Buffalo and hopefully Leopold can build and and kind of bring them into the forefront. Okay. Well, you brought up Miami, Ohio, so that's the team I'm going to get to touch on a little bit. I want to emphasize this. And again, we just talked about how all the teams in the MAC have had bad breaks. Miami, Ohio possibly had the worst. 2017, they had a 5 and second, 7 record, which is misleading given that they were 0 and 5 in one possession games. The Red Hawks are one of the most interesting team in the MAC, returning a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. They lose a bit in the secondary and the receiving core, but that's it. Their depth wasn't really tested last year, which is kind of the interesting thing to me. They dodged a lot of injuries. They didn't have any problems. But they still struggled, especially in close games. And that's kind of been a trend for their coach in general. I could potentially see them going 7-5. and five. I could potentially see them going well over that. The problem is that it seems like when it comes down to a struggle, they just kind of flat out give up. And that's against teams like NIU or Buffalo, that's not really going to cut it. So I definitely don't think they're going to win against Minnesota. I don't think they're going to win against Army. It's it's going to be an interesting season. I see them making a bowl game, but unless they can overcome whatever this difficulty is with these close matchups, I don't think they're going to have a chance of actually playing for a MAC title. Yeah, Miami's really funny. Because in 2016, they were the first team to lose their first six games and then win their next six games to make a bowl game. Yeah. <laughs> they, have, they have really weird, like, trend. You know, Chuck, Chuck Martin's 5-19 and 19 in one-possession games. Yeah, that's the terrible stat. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's what's going to hurt them. They've got a ton of players coming back. Uh, they've got a couple, you know, they got three starters in offense they've got to replace, two starters on defense. So the returning players are there. Also, I love that their nose tackle is 5'11", 335. That's a very wide man. He's a big boy. <laughs> that is a short, stout, wide man in Nate Trowick. 
Gus Raglan will be the starter. He played all right in 2017. I didn't see anything really wrong with him. Like, no. was, he was he was okay. It you know, bad. seven seven interceptions, but I mean, 19 to seven on his touchdown interception ratio. Defense was third in the MAC and scoring in total. Again, it's a team like you said that should be good and should be able to compete. But if they can't shake and break that, you know, one loss. Issues. It's just a weird like, one possession loss it's issues. Like it's going to be tough. It's like a curse for them. I don't know, uh, but we'll see. So, all right. Next up on the list, you got to cover into NIU territory. Yeah, we can we can look at the Huskies, who've really been one of the more consistent programs in the MAC. I mean, twelve and two, eleven and three, eight and six. They had a five and seven blip in sixteen, but jumped straight back to eight and five. You know, for the longest time, they were kind of one of the the standard bearers for the Mac, you know, they beat Nebraska last year, <laughs> went into Nebraska and won, which is always fun. That's not saying much. Con- no. Considering it was Nebraska last year. No, I mean, they had a, you know, they had a three point loss against Boston college, which they obviously had a chance to win. You know, they unfortunately got blown out by Duke in the quick lane bowl, which, you know, as someone who also cheers for a team that got blown out by Duke, I can understand that sucks. Yeah, that'll happen. <laughs> you know, quarterback comes back in Marcus Childers, who's an athlete. Northern Illinois really always had an athletic quarterback. They had Jordan Lynch for a long time, who was a really fun player to watch a couple of years ago, who I think is their is, – he's the offensive coordinator somewhere in the MAC currently. Yeah, well, and honestly, he, did a, he had a lot of success with that program. I mean, honestly, when I think of him being at the helm, he led that team to a lot of championships, if I remember correctly. Yeah, they played really well defensively, which is helpful. Uh, you know, the offense, I think, is the one that, that asks some questions. Their their conference losses last year, they lost by 10 to Toledo. They got pretty much handled by Central Michigan. But, you know, I mean, the other losses were out of conference. San Diego State, Boston College, Duke. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're going to be a bad team. No, uh, you know, they're probably the biggest challenger to Toledo in my mind in the West uh, I feel I think they're going to be the ones that play with that that Toledo game on November the 7th is going to be a really fun one to watch um, they go to Iowa home to Utah it's going to be a tough two game stretch and they play at Florida State in September which is probably not going to do too many oh, positive things no, no, for no, them no, unfortunately no. but oh no 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 yeah, if they come in healthy I think they've, they've got winnable games they get Ohio in the middle of October yeah, that'll be that'll be a tough game. But they fortunately they get to play Ball State, who's not very good. They get to play Akron, who's yeah. So they I think again, as I said, they they probably will be the top challenger in my mind to Toledo for that side of the Mac. Okay. Fair enough. Well, let's talk about a team that probably isn't gonna be a challenger out of Kalamazoo. Actually one of my favorite cities to visit. Uh, talking about the Western Michigan Broncos, I don't know what to make of this team. Uh, since they've stopped rowing the boat, they kind of had a fall off there under head coach Lester going down to 6-6. Six and six. I mean, you can chalk that up to a lot of things. Uh, when you lose your head coach, who had been so successful there, you lose a lot of recruiting. It's kind of a struggle. I know a lot of people are have high hopes for the Broncos, but... I don't know that I have as much faith in them personally. I I think they've kind of got a tough schedule, and part of this is just because of the lack of talent and because so many other teams are surging right now in the MAC. You know, teams like Buffalo, teams like uh, the Bobcats, teams potentially like Miami, Ohio, Ohio, if they could get things squared away. Uh, you just have some teams that kind of fall off and become mediocre. Kind of thinking like a six and six situation is what they're looking at. Andrew, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I can agree with you. It'll be interesting. Western Michigan was a team, for a while, I can remember being a, a, a kid and watching them play Marshall almost every year in the MAC title game. For some reason, those games stick out in my mind, like old, old Western Michigan games. No kidding. And, you know, Fleck really had them rolling. You know, one in 11 his first season, but then made a bowl game three years in a row, including the Cotton Bowl, which, which is great. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what happened. They fell to six and six from an, a thirteen and you know they they've got to replace the all-time leading rusher. They lost the tight end, lost the left tackle. 
it's going to be a tough place for them to rebuild. You know, the quarterback went off late in the season, so it's going to be interesting to see how he comes back from that injury. You know, Jamari Bogan's a fun little running back to watch, kind of a short, quick guy. You know, it's a great one-two punch with Jarvie and Franklin. Well, and I do think he's got a lot of talent. If you actually watched some of their games last year, he's got speed. Now, is he going to get blocking? I don't – I can't verify that. I don't know that for sure. Yeah, they open the year against Syracuse. That'll be tough. Then they go to Michigan. I mean, you know, they'll beat Delaware State. I, I think they'll beat Georgia State probably, hopefully. Awesome. They, they get Toledo and Ohio and Northern Illinois, but the rest of the games, Bowling Green's winnable, Ball State's winnable – you know, Miami of Ohio, maybe. Eastern Michigan, maybe. You know, that three-way Michigan death match yeah, they got going on up honestly, there. Honestly, the problem with their schedule is so many of them are coin flips. You know, they get they get Ohio yeah. at home. They get NIU at home. They get uh, Eastern Michigan they should probably win. But they got to go on the road to Miami of Ohio. They got to go on the road to Bowling Green. They got to play Syracuse. I honestly think they could beat Syracuse at home, but it's hard to say. It's really close. So, yeah, I don't know what to make of them. I think 6-6, six and six, it's a hard team to predict this year. Yeah, they're, they're one you got so used to them being one of the standard bearers for that conference. And with Fleck, Fleck leaving, you're kind of seeing that he may have been a bigger part of that than the school necessarily itself. Which is a shame, because I love that campus, and I love that area. But... What are you going to do? All right. Well, it's a little harder to cover, but let's talk about what little we know about the rest of the MAC at the moment. So the other teams that we haven't covered, I'll just list them off. And, Andrew, if you got something to say, you can kind of go over it. Bowling Green. So I probably should pay more attention to Bowling Green because they come to Georgia Tech at the end of September. Honestly, yeah. I've not really thought too much about them, though. They were um, pretty good. Um, well, here's the thing with every team in the MAC, and this is kind of why we're, we usually have our little best of the worst segment. The MAC is very even. Like, it's kind of hard to say who's not going to make a bowl because they're all kind of decent. Kent State's not going to. Well, okay, yeah, but other <laughs> than that, Kent State, for those who don't know, is probably. Uh, one of the worst programs in the country, right up there with Kansas. Sorry, Kent State. Yeah, it's but just, that, it's just to a tough fair, place. To be fair, they have a new coach who is doing exciting things. But That's what I, I keep hearing people talk about what Sean Lewis is doing at Kent State, but I, I've never heard anyone go into detail of what exciting things he's doing at Kent State. I just hear, like, <laughs> Bill Connolly is like, yeah, you know, I think Sean Lewis at Kent State, you know, he's going to do some new and different and exciting things that you don't really see often, but then he doesn't do anything to tell me what those might be. Because they're going to show up, they're going to be playing rugby. (laughs) No one's going to see it coming. It's actually going to be grass hockey. (laughs) But, okay, sorry, back back to Bowling Green. I mean, that's another team where I'm looking at that they could potentially be 6-6, but... I just don't... I mean, they went 2-10 last year, which is a step down from the 4-8 they went the year before. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know. I mean, Bowling Green did give us Dino Babers at Syracuse, who is building that program. The Bowling Green was also the first head coaching job for, you know, I don't know how famous he is, but it's a little-known coach named Urban Meyer, who got yeah. his start at Bowling Green. I think he's gone on to do some things. I think he's been a pretty good coach so far. Well, I guess okay. Again, or I'm kind of flying by the seat of my pants here, but I guess my thing is. It seems like they've got a lot of guys returning. They've got a talented quarterback that can really help out with the offense as pulling together. And they've got some really good receivers. And that's, I think, what they really needed, uh, combined with the fact that their defense did not exist last year. So if they get <laughs> any kind of defense, it'll be a huge improvement. It also My. it also helps that uh, they're kind of in the Western Michigan spot as well, where a lot of their games are coin flips. Uh, Including the Georgia Tech game. Okay, fine. Yeah. I Again, I, I have no faith, and I'm a negative person. Bill Connolly has their win probability against us at 24%. I mean, that's 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 almost winning one out of every four. Uh, his his percentage against them for Maryland is 45%. Oh, man. I, I don't know if we're that much better than the Turks. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah. He, he, oh. brought in, he brought in Carl Polini to be his defensive coordinator, famous cat owner slash... 
former FAU head coach Carl Pellini. And you weren't kidding about the defense? 38 points and 506 yards per game? Yeah, I think if they just get marginally better, that might, you know, they scored 27 or more points and lost five of them. (laughs) I I, I have high hopes for this team. I mean, again, they're not going to be great, but I think they could make a bowl game. Kent State, we already talked about. uh, Ball State. I don't really know who's the head coach. Mike knew he's eight and or six and eighteen in his third year. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. It, again, the the problem is the MAC. You get into some places where it's just it's tough to win. Well, it's tough to recruit. I mean, and we're going to talk about this issue with the conference USA as well. Is you get a lot of these programs where they're working off history, or your recruits get scalped by the Big Ten. It's one or the other, and that's why it's so hard to work in places like. Kent State, Ball State, you know. But, yeah, I mean, this is another team where, despite their struggles, I think I could see them going with uh, – Yeah, they've got, a, they've got a good quarterback coming back. They've got some, some running back talent. You know, if, if healthy, maybe. But I think they could get four, four wins. But it's I mean, hard to I think say. they'll beat Central Connecticut State. I think they'll beat Kent State. I think everybody will beat Kent State. And that's really the only two, two – wins i i mean they're not going to beat notre dame they're not going to beat indiana they're not going to beat western kentucky they're not going to beat northern illinois they're not going to beat ohio they're not yeah, going to beat they toledo they're going to be a whipping <laughs> next up akron what you got well so akron is everyone's favorite friend terry bowden oh really I is the head coach at akron I, for, I forgot about him they uh they went seven and seven last year after getting absolutely walloped by florida atlantic in the boca raton bowl which is which is a pretty good build for him. That's another. You know, he's thirty-one and forty-four in seven years at Akron. Which, like we talk about, all these teams, it's it's tough to really get some. Again, Northern Illinois, as we've said, is the most consistent program in the conference. Uh, you know, Western Michigan to an extent. Everyone else is always just kind of like, yeah, it's all over the place. Well, and that's the other thing is when you got parity, these these teams tend to eat themselves. So it's hard to say. Oh, one hundred percent. Um, apparently, Akron has not yet hired a defensive coordinator. Uh, it's still TBD in my notes, so that's going to be pretty interesting. Okay. Um, they did beat Ohio last year, apparently, uh, with a with sophomore Cato Nelson at quarterback. Yeah, we we don't talk about that. <laughs> not a lot of options coming back offensively. Uh, seven of its top eight receiving targets are back, and a couple of offensive linemen. Apparently, Bowden's averaged six wins per year over the last five. Yeah, so, yeah, he's I, again, been fairly... I, I, I can see them getting a bowl game. It's just, uh, I don't, I can't expect much more than that. They're going to lose to Nebraska. They're going to lose to Northwestern. They're going to lose to Iowa State. Um, I mean, if they catch some lightning in a bottle, the Ohio and the Northern Illinois games are probably chalked to losses. But, you know, like we've said, with the parity, I mean, Miami, Ohio, Buffalo, Kent, Central, Eastern, Bowling Green... Uh, you know, if everything falls into place, they could win six games. Okay. And then, I know there's one more, but... Central uh, Michigan and Eastern Michigan. Sister, so the other two Michigans. They're both terrible. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Eastern Michigan is better, but I, I think uh, yeah, they're I mean, both better, terrible. Better is, as we've talked about, a very a relative, relative term. term. I mean, Eastern, for a while, was... We're, you know, as bad, if not worse, of a program than we talked about with Kent State. So, you know, Chris Creighton's tried to build that program a little bit. He's got his coordinators coming back. They got a good bit of, of talent, you know, if that's what you can call it, coming back for them. Um, six of their total losses, six of their losses in 2017 were by a total of 23 points. You know, again, they're a team that if things fall into place, I definitely see a bowl game. Do I think they'll compete for the division title? Probably not, but... There are enough games on their schedule where I think they could win a bowl game. And then what about Central? Central Central's an interesting one because they've actually been fairly successful. John Bonomego. Well, they've had a lot of success the past few years, but I think Twenty one and eighteen. I yeah. For them that's pretty successful. Yeah, I mean they've been <laughs> to bowl games. You know, they've put players they've had good players. They had that upset over uh Oklahoma State. Um, yeah. So, you know, they've had which some o- success. Which Oklahoma State fans are st- still upset about. Oh, that was rough. 
But they lost what? their quarterback. They lost their top five receiving threat. So it's going to be interesting to see what they try to do offensively. Oh man, they got a six seven quarterback. Those are always fun. I just, <laughs> I just don't see it. I mean, they've lost too much on offense. They do play Kansas week two, so that'll be uh, that'll be an exciting oh, game. God, um, they have to go to Michigan State, I'm a, I'm to Kentucky, to... which is going to be rough. There's a guy asking about games that are going under the radar that he should watch, and I'm like, you gotta watch Central, Central Michigan. Michigan at, at no, 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 it's Kansas at Central oh, Michigan. That's even worse. Kansas has to go to Mount Pleasant and play the Chippewas. Oh Lord. Anyway. Yeah. It's... But, it, yeah, I still. I'm thinking like maybe three, maybe three. I think points. they. I think. I think Maine obviously is a really winnable game, but you know it's tough to say when we're down in the MAC levels. Well, it's, um, Central lose, Michigan loses so much, and I, I cannot bring myself. To Bowling Green, Ball State. That's. I mean, that's really it. Because you know you don't. You, they don't. They don't play Kent State. <laughs> I mean Kansas. Yeah. yeah so yeah, three or four maybe. Maybe. Uh, they went eight and five last year, which is you know tough to to step back down that much. Anyway, am I missing anybody else? We get it. I think we captured everybody. All righty. Well, moving on down to Conference USA, I suppose. So, personally, if you have to tier these conferences, I think Conference USA falls a little lower. And I don't know if this is an opinion that you share, but I think that's because they have to share recruiting with. The ACC, the SEC, the Big 12, the American Conference, and the Sun Belt Conference. So there's just – whereas the MAC, yeah, they have to share with the Big 10 and with the other MAC programs. And North Dakota State. Oh, yeah, okay. Some, some <laughs> of the larger – well, and as you pointed out about Wisconsin, some of the much larger, you know, FCS programs. Or D, D3 all the way down yeah. to Wisconsin. But yeah, the point point being, you have a lot of cross conference recruiting that you just can't make up for, talent wise. So a lot of these teams kind of struggle. It's very top heavy. We're gonna get into it this year. But what are your thoughts? Is that kind of one of the falling points for Conference USA? I think so. I think the biggest problem in my mind with Conference USA is they don't have a great television distribution concept. You know, the Mac at least plays midweek games, so you can get a chance to have these games on national TV. Conference USA games are always kind of tucked away somewhere, like CBS Sports, or I think they're one of the big drivers of this ESPN Plus. No, that's the Sun Belt. It is the Sun Belt? Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're just they're a tough team to try to find games to watch to really... Now, I think, 100% honesty, the fact that they have Lane Kiffin, and Lane Kiffin has been Lane Kiffin has somewhat driven this conference more into the national discussion yeah. because of his character, because of the larger-than-lifeness of him has driven a lot of that. Well, and now, if that sticks when he leaves, no one knows. But Yeah, and I, I mean, let's be honest. Before he showed up, the only thing that program was known for was the fact that they had a good marching band. Like, that's it, you know? Yeah. Were they the ones that fought Miami, or was that Florida International? think that was Florida International. Yeah, it was Florida International. You I knew it. <laughs> Which honestly for the longest time I could get I would get them confused. I've got a pretty good understanding of which one is which currently, but No, no, no. I mean, I know where my stand my tears stand and Florida International is at the very bottom. Sorry Florida International fans. You probably don't listen to this podcast anymore. They made a bowl game last year though. Yeah. And they've got a their their coach is another one, uh, Butch Davis. He has turned things around. Yeah, for I mean the guy the guy who won national titles at Miami and then got sanctioned and Suspended in North Carolina. <laughs> so he fits in right there. Yeah, perfect. I know, right? So I guess let's get down to the nitty-gritty of it. Honestly, Andrew, I gave you the fun task of talking about the team we expect... The lane train! ...to potentially be a contender at, for a New Year's Six. Give us give us the lane train update. So they're obviously going to be the top team in the conference. They're, they're the defending conference champions. They went 11-3. and three. They return a good bit. Of what they have. Devin Singletary, the running back, is a guy who really just absolutely exploded onto the scene last year. And is if you really if you want to go deep dive dark horse Heisman, you know, that hipster dark horse Heisman that there's, none of your friends know about. There is no way in hell. No, I don't think he has a chance, but if you want to be that hipster that talks about it, Devin Singletary at FAU is that player. 
Yeah, just to be clear, because I don't think we've even said the full name of the program. We've mainly just Florida said... Atlantic University, located in Boca Raton, Florida. They are the Fighting Owls, or just the regular Owls, I'm not sure. And they have possibly the greatest marching band on the planet. I just like how, coming up to this, we basically just said, you know, that team that Lane Kiffin is coaching. Well, it's really exciting, too, because one of the things that Lane did is he lost his offensive coordinator, Kendall Bryles, and... He went out and made kind of a, a a strange hire that I'm really excited to see how it works out. Because he went and hired Charlie Weiss's son, Charlie Weiss Jr., as his offensive coordinator. And if I remember correctly, Charlie Weiss Jr. is a guy who has, you know, he, he spent some time as analysts in a couple of different places you know really did you know obviously spent a lot of time with his dad being charlie weiss you know very say what you want about charlie weiss as you know his bombing out at kansas his bombing out at notre dame the man can coach he's a fantastic offensive mind especially with the new england patriots you know weiss he was he was a quality control at florida he spent some time at kansas obviously Spent some time in New England. He spent two years at Alabama as an offensive analyst, and he was an analyst for the Atlanta Falcons when he was brought in. Yeah. Well, and I think the logic behind this, I mean, you say what you will, I think the logic, not necessarily from Lane's standpoint, is this guy's going to take over. Because Lane's going to be leaving sometime this year. It is. And, and it's fascinating because Weiss is a guy who's never played football, who's never really coordinated the game, and honestly hasn't been a position coach. So it's really fascinating to for Lane to put his trust in this young guy who who may have you know, may, given his dad given the time he spent around the game has probably learned more about the game of football or forgotten more about the game of football than we'll ever learn. Well, and I think that's the thing is Lane's bringing him. Lane has planned to bring this guy in to just basically soak in whatever he's doing. So he's like, you know what, just do what I do and you'll be fine. I don't know that he's going to pull it off because I don't think anybody can quite pull off what Lane does with the same aplomb. No, and again, it'll be really interesting. They've got to replace their quarterback. It's a it's a battle right now between two... two tra- One of the things that Lane Kiffin has done is he's opened the door to transfers. He'll take anyone from anywhere, regardless of anything. And that's really been a part of what he's tried to build. So both of the quarterbacks in the competition, DeAndre Johnson's a Florida State transfer... And Chris Robison is an Oklahoma transfer. Both highly recruited, both pretty big-time prospects coming out of high school who, for whatever reasons, are no longer at those schools, and Kiffin brought them in. So it's going to be – the talent's going to be there. And I think he's recruited that part of Florida really well. You know, again, like you kind of hit in the opening for the conference, it's a part that everyone in the world recruits. But there's a place for FAU to build their name there and and keep kids. So it'll be interesting to see – what they can do there. The schedule, they open at Oklahoma. I don't think that's a winnable game, unfortunately. Yeah, there's no way. You know, they're, they're, they, okay. play, they, they play the defending national champs on the 21st at UCF, which will be a really, <laughs> which will be a, which will be a really interesting game. Uh, yeah, that'll, that'll be a fun one. That actually back-to-back at UCF and at Middle Tennessee will be a lot of fun, because I think Middle Tennessee is a pretty good team, too. Well, I mean, say what you will. I think UCF and Oklahoma... The only real challenge is on there. You could make an argument for Middle Tennessee. I don't think they're a bad team, but Marshall. I, don't think I think Mar- I think Marshall's another one. Marshall's probably and they play North, which North Texas is probably the favorite to win the other division. That's the problem. So you got North Texas and you got Marshall, and those are the big guys. But I don't see FAU having a problem beating them. Not- Pro- probably not. You know, they're both on the road, which is which does make it a little bit tougher. But I think Lane's just put that program together through decent recruiting, you know, signing everyone and their grandma that would transfer to there. Exactly. You know, and it's it's South Florida in Boca Raton, which I think is a pretty nice part. So that's always going to help recruit yeah, some that, level. Yeah, the Boca Raton Bowl is one of the uh, my wish list. What's the bucket list games I got to go to? So it'll be interesting and exciting to see what they they try to do. All right, well, since we brought up Marshall, I guess I'll talk about them a little bit. The key for Marshall is defense. Last year their defense was 19th in run defense overall and 39th in passing defense in the nation. They lose some seniors in the secondary and at the defensive end, but they're replaced by some sophomores and juniors who are comparable 
or had better stats last year. Granted, the games they were playing in were obviously a lot less serious than what the seniors were playing in. So the real trouble is offense. They focus heavily on passing the ball, but they have to and but they have to replace their QB this year. Alex Thompson is supposed to be the guy taking over the offense, but they have four people competing for the position. So it's kind of hard to say exactly where that's going to end up. Given their schedule, I still expect an eight or nine win season. They're not losing enough talent to concern me. They've got the coaching and they've got the program to do well. But the games against NC State, South Carolina, and FAU are going to be tough. And I don't see them winning those games. Uh, FAU at home is kind of a godsend, but for everything else, it's kind of it's kind of a meh. If they can get solid stats from whoever turns out to be their QB next year, I think they could really be a challenger, but that has yet to be proven. And it's hard for me to put faith in a new guy kind of coming into that position. Yeah, as we've said, they're they're the team that's probably in the East got the best chance to challenge Florida Atlantic. Their, Their conference games last year, they lost by 10 to Florida International. They lost by five to Florida Atlantic. They lost nine to seven to UT San Antonio, which that had to have been an exciting game. That was game. such a weird one. And they lost by one point to Southern Miss. So their conference losses last year were all close conference losses. So they're definitely a team that I think will compete. You know, the quarterback's going to be the question. Thompson, their transfer, it's a grad transfer from Wagner, which is a small school in New York. 6'5", big body, you know, threw the ball pretty well in, in 2016, but, you know, got hurt, only played in two games. Yeah, and, and so... I mean, again, that's what the question becomes, because they got the talent on defense. I think they're going to be there again this year. The question is, can they improve on offense, and can they do it with a guy who we really haven't seen? Because either it's going to be Thompson or it's going to be someone totally new. Yeah, I mean he does have he does have new offensive and defensive coordinators coming in, so that can impact your quarterback battle a lot because you don't really have a guy who knows the system. Yeah, you know you're not having a guy who has played in it, who understands it, and kind of has a leg up. Everyone starts, everyone kind of starts new. That that can help you a lot when you're trying to break in. No, it's cool as the guy they hired is from Sam Houston State, which Sam Houston State's a really fun offensive team to watch most years. So uh, it'll be exciting to see what they can do. Doc Holliday's done a good job there, sixty-one and forty-two. You know, he's he had a three and nine in twenty sixteen, but you know, his thirteen, fourteen, and fifteens are all double-digit win seasons. Yeah. Well, I think the bottom line is you can make an argument that with the talent they got and with the fact that they have a easier schedule than FAU. If they win the FAU game, they're in. But that's a big if. Yeah, and I think I think the week after that at Southern Miss is is a bit of a trap game too, because Southern Miss has gotten better, and Hattiesburg's a tough place to go to win. I don't know that if I believe in Southern Miss as much as you do, but uh, I mean, you make a fair point. So next up, I'm gonna let you take uh, Northern Texas. Yeah, Seth Luttrell at North Texas has started to build that program. Went 9-5 and five last year, 5-8 and eight his first year. Luttrell's a fun guy to watch. He was the offensive coordinator for Larry Fedora at North Carolina. Uh, he's a pretty young coach, only 40 years old. So he's definitely a guy who, if he can get that program bumping and bumping and bumping, should get a look at some other places. They returned the Conference USA Offensive Player of the Year in Mason Fine, their quarterback, threw for 4,000 yards. And 31 touchdowns, which is definitely going to help bringing him back. The, you, you got a couple of receivers coming back. The offensive line's kind of patchwork. You know, they went 9-5. and five. They got blown out by SMU, which doesn't help. Nope. They got blown out by Florida Atlantic twice. <laughs> well, and that's really the crux of it. And you kind of see that with uh, – you've seen that in Conference USA. You've seen that in the Midwest where – these teams kind of get beat up on by the superior. Uh, what's they, their schedule look? They got to like? get better defensively. I think it's the big question. Is they struggled somewhat? A lot of high-scoring games. You know, fifty-two, forty-nine, 
45-38. You know, they lost 69-31 to in the first matchup with Florida Atlantic. The schedule, they opened against SMU, which they really struggled with last year. Obviously, week two is incarnate word. That, come yeah. on. Uh, at Arkansas, week three, uh, that's that's, that's going to be rough for them. At Liberty, the next week, which... They should win that. I think they should. Liberty's making their step up from FCF, FCS yeah, this year. Should so they they should win that one. Uh, you know, they, they play Florida Atlantic the next to, la- next to last week of the season. They don't they don't get Marshall, well, which is think, helpful. They don't get Middle Tennessee, which is helpful. Well, I think the biggest thing for them is, other than UAB, there's not really anybody, which is weird to say considering UAB wasn't a program two years I, ago. I mean, Southern, but, Southern Miss. Uh, again, know. I don't have any faith in Southern Miss. In fact, I'm going to talk about Southern Miss right now. You know, Louisiana, oh. Louisiana Tech's not bad. Eh. You know, they went 7-6 and six last year. Let me tell you about this. Let me tell you about this Southern Miss son. Back in my day, uh, I don't. They were actually probably better back in your day. They, they with with Larry Fedora and some other coaches. Yeah, I mean they've they've definitely trended downward. They've uh, definitely gone downhill. You know uh, the 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 one year hiring of Ellis Johnson was just a train wreck that destroyed that program. Honestly, this year again is kind of similar to what we talked about with Marshall, where they've. Got they've lost a lot of their starters on offense, but their defense is coming back. Their defense was their strong point last year, so the question becomes, what exactly can they do on offense? Um, it's kind of hard to say where they stand. Also, <laughs> also they lost their FAU poached their coordinator. Was that their offensive coordinator? It would have been their defensive coordinator. Yeah, so that might be a big deal, considering that their defense was their strong point last year. I, I don't know. The other thing is a lot to do with their schedule. They've got a road game against App State. That'll be. I think that'll be a low-key fun game to watch, week uh, three. Road game against Auburn. <laughs> road game against North Texas. Marshall uh, at UAB. Um, honestly. Yeah, I mean, they do sit out. They do have a pretty tough schedule, I think, is the big thing that hurts them. It's it's not a fun experience. I see them going six and six. They could win. They could get that upset against Marshall. That that could happen since they get them. Yeah, at home. but you know, I mean, I think they've got winnable games in UTEP and Charlotte, San Antonio. Yeah. Well, and again, I said they get six games. I don't doubt that they get six games. But I mean, Rice, Jackson State, uh, like you said, Charlotte. Yeah, UTSA, Louisiana Monroe. You. I mean, yeah, six games. I I think that's fair. yeah. I think you're right. I think I think they're ceiling maybe six, lightning in a bottle, seven. I mean, yeah. If you pull some upsets, no doubt. But I just don't think this year with what they've lost, especially the D coordinator that kind of helped them out a lot last year and all their talent on offense, it's hard. Yeah, the, it's hard to set the expectations too. Yeah, high. the loss the loss of Ito Smith is going to hurt him too. Is a really good running back for him. Um, moving on. So staying in the West, really quick, let me hit on UAB. Like we talked about, for you, those of you who weren't paying attention, UAB had lost their program entirely after 2015, uh, and they came back last year. They came back to a surprising amount of success. They went 8-5, and five, <laughs> considering they didn't even have a program before. So they returned their starting quarterback, their top three rushers, all their receivers, and four O-line starters on offense. If they're not at least decent on offense, uh, they something has gone horribly wrong. Defense was their strong point. Seemed to be hitting on that a lot in Conference <laughs> USA. Defense was their strong point. Except for the lane train. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, North Texas too, in a way. But actually, very, very last, true for North Texas. Uh, the the two teams that have the most success are the ones that are constantly scoring. Anyway, UAB's strong point was their thanks, defense. Thanks, John Madden. If, if we score more points than the other team at the end of the game, I think we got a chance to win. <laughs> but right, UAB. The real problem with the defense is they have to replace their entire linebacking core, which in a 3-4 defensive set piece typically causes issues, especially in the run game. If their defense is serviceable, they could potentially see another 8-win season. But if not, I think I could see them dropping off pretty quickly. It's hard to say exactly because I just don't know about these freshmen. I'm not in their locker room, but 
or these starters rather, because I'm not all of them are freshmen. I think somewhere between six and eight wins would be fine, considering they're a team that just got their program back. It's kind of hard to be like, after an X eight win season, to be like, you should be happy with six wins. <laughs> but that might be what you're looking at this year if you're UAB. Uh, so, and you may know more about this because you're an Alabama fan person. Oh, I see how I see how we're going to do this. <laughs> oh, this bring, is what we're going to do. We're going to bring race into it. Okay. So. Was it one of the main reasons that their program got killed was Bear Bryant Jr. and the University of Alabama Board of Trustees? Um, it was. It had to do with the state legislature not oh, supporting God. them the same. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could make an argument for that, yes. It, it had to do because states are supposed to fund sports programs for different programs. They were definitely doing it for Alabama. They were not doing it for UAB. Wasn't, isn't there a huge fight, too? Because, like, doesn't, it does, isn't UAB the one with a medical school in Alabama? Yes. Yeah, and it, it's actually a pretty good medical school, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and that's where the dispute that yeah. you're talking about came in. Yes. Because Alabama doesn't. Yeah, let's get really. This is this is not an Alabama politics podcast. <laughs> yeah, so we don't have I'm to get like, into that. I'm trying to stay away from politics in general, but yes, you have a point. I don't know that that's entirely the reason, but yes, that did play a factor. So, the fact that Bill Clark didn't get more opportunities as coach of the year last year really kind of aggravates me. Another thing we could say about a lot of the coaches. Yeah, I mean, to to go eight and five, the. You know, after not having a program for two years is really fantastic and should have gotten a lot more national recognition than he really did. You know, nine starters are back on offense. Freshman of the year, Spencer Brown, the running back's back, who had a pretty good year. You know, the, the quarterback is back, too, so that's always going to help. But I think you're right. It's it's one – they've got a new offensive coordinator, which will be pretty exciting. They need some help on the defensive line. They apparently recruited the Juco world pretty well. You know, their schedule, the first four games, I mean, honestly, hypothetically, they could be 6-0 and going into the game against North Texas on October the 20th, and I wouldn't be very surprised. Tulane uh, and Louisiana Tech are going to be the tough games in that I mean, chunk. I, I think Louisiana Tech throws a wrench in it, yeah, but, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. And then, and then, honestly, you know, the North Texas game, the next two games, UTEP and UTSA, I think are winnable. I'm higher on Southern Miss than you are, obviously. I think they get blown the fuck out by Texas A&M. Yeah, there's no way to beat Texas um, A&M. Um, and that at-middle game, the last game of the year, will be a really exciting kind unless, of... Unless Texas A&M just really wants to piss off Artem. That would be... <laughs> that would be pretty funny. But... Um, although they did lose to Charlotte last year, so maybe we shouldn't chalk that Charlotte game up as well, a win for them. Yeah. That's the other thing is I do think a lot of what they did last year, part of that was nobody expected them to be as good yeah, as they I were. Yeah, think, I think that's going to help too. And, I mean, you can actually track that stat-wise as far as what happened in their season where through the first ten games uh, they were seven and three, and then their last three games they went one and two. They just suddenly people figured them out. I mean, to be fair, one of those was Florida. Yeah, Florida, though. Come on. We're talking about how Colorado State could beat Florida. Okay. They, they did, uh, they got blown out by Ohio in the Bahamas Bowl. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that they'll be bad by any means, but uh, it's hard to set your expectations as high as what they were previously. Okay, um, next up, we're talking about the one you wanted to talk about in the East. Uh, Middle Tennessee State. Hit so, it, hit it, Andrew. Middle Tennessee State, I'm always scared of them for a game against Georgia Tech in 2012 that we don't like to talk about. I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it never happened. They've always been funny because Tony Franklin's their offensive coordinator. And if you know much in the, in the coaching world, Tony Franklin is – there's something called the Tony Franklin system, and it's, it's his offensive scheme that he – does clinic spout he does tapes i mean it's it's called the tony franklin system i mean that's what he was the oc at auburn for like six games before he got fired okay (laughs) i i believe i know i I may have been less than six but i know that he was i want to say he was tuberville's last offensive coordinator interesting i i did not know this was a thing when he was at auburn Huh. Yeah, he was at Auburn in 2008. 
I mean, he's a guy who was Troy 06 to 07, Auburn in 08, Middle Tennessee so, in 09, Louisiana Tech in 10 and 12. So I guess to cut you short, though, what exactly is it? What does it mean? So, it, I mean, it's a spread. Oh, it's, it's like a, it's that. it's a it's a lot of it's a big. I don't know a lot about it to be one hundred percent honest. Um, he apparently grosses over one hundred seventy thousand dollars annually from his consulting service. You know, Sonny Dykes, Chris Hatcher. It's one that's been used a lot. He had to sell it because of an SEC rule prohibiting coaches from participating in a clinic not on the institution's premises. So I guess he doesn't uh, technically own it anymore. No, I guess not. Oh no, he's he's no he he bought it back after leaving Auburn, <laughs> so it is still his. Okay, interesting. Y- you know, it's a it's a spread passing game. I, again, I don't know a lot about it. I haven't watched a lot of Tony Franklin. It's like the, it's like that weird shotgun option thing. Is that what I'm thinking of? No, there's not a lot of option in it. It's again, uh, yeah. When we played them in 2012, they beat us by pretty much going two by two stacked receivers, and then would just count and either run the ball or throw the screen depending on the numbers. But I know that was something they did more for us than necessarily part of the Franklin system, hmm. and we had blown them out the year before. Well, I guess it's what I think of when I think of Oregon, where it's like they read the the. I mean, I mean, num- yeah. number counts are a huge part of pretty much every every offense out there. Okay. You know, you get Fair. your numbers, you set your reads, and uh, I mean, we anyway, we could we could do a whole separate podcast. The point the point is, he's a very interesting character. He is, he's and he's he's had success at Middle Tennessee. They had a lot of injuries. Uh, apparently, Brett Stock still cracked a sternum and a separated collar. Jesus. Which Stockton's put up really huge numbers. He's the coach's son at Middle Tennessee, so he's he's put up some huge numbers for them. Sounds like he needs to stay healthy, though. He does. You know, they went seven and six with yeah. They lost to Vandy. Oh God, they have to go at Vandy, at Georgia, and at Kentucky. I think they're trying to win the SEC East. That's what it sounds like. Um, Godspeed. What's funny though is I think they could win two of those three. Oddly enough, I don't think they can beat Kentucky. They uh, might can beat Vanderbilt. They could. <laughs> I don't think they can beat Kentucky. I wouldn't put anything past Kentucky. Okay? You know, they play Florida Atlantic, Marshall, Florida International back to back to back. So that's really going to be a defining kind of. If they, especially if they can pip two out of those three, do I think they do it? Probably not. But because then you get Charlotte and Old Dominion that are definitely winnable games. Well, and I guess that's the thing with them, kind of like with Southern Miss, where it's like. I don't know a ton about Middle Tennessee State, but their schedule is rough. <laughs> yeah, they it's definitely going to to play a role. Oh, sorry, I'm look, I'm looking at the Tony Franklin system because I kind of I kind of want to know more about it. But anyway, so <laughs> I think what you're kind of looking at is Middle Tennessee won't really compete, but they'll be an interesting program to watch. Especially in some of these games, maybe I'm kind of curious how they would do against Vandy because Vandy's actually got one of the better secondaries out there. Yeah, you know Vandy's been pretty good defensively. I think has always been something that. So that could potentially be a low key game to watch. I think uh, so. Mm-hmm. It's at Vanderbilt. They and they have beaten Vanderbilt in the past. I mean, Middle Tennessee is a team that has gone in and won and beaten Vanderbilt a couple of times. So oh, it's not unheard of. A lot of people have beaten Vanderbilt. True, but. Okay, yeah. Lower tier team. Yeah, they've got to protect better. I think it was one of the biggest things. The stock still just got killed sitting back there. Yeah. So I think they could be decent. Um, the last teams for the lightning round we got. So uh, best of the worst, UTEP, Rice, Old Dominion, and Charlotte. God almighty. Um. Yeah, so unlike with... None, none of the above? Uh, unlike with the Mac, we actually have a best <laughs> of the worst because all of these teams are going to be pretty pretty bad. <laughs> um, if I had to pick, it would either be... I'm trying to decide between uh, Tennessee, El Paso, and Old Dominion. I'm just kidding, of course. It's Texas, El Paso. but It's Old Dominion. Think I, I so? think I think Old Dominion, out of that chunk, it's probably Old Dominion because... Uh, honest to God, Brad Lambert's probably going to get fired at Charlotte. Uh, UTEP just hired a new coach, which, again, much like with Hawaii in the Mountain West, we could probably do an entire podcast on the issues that UTEP deals with. 
or UTSA for that matter. UTSA is probably better. They win. Um, they made a bowl game last year, if I remember correctly. No, they went six and five. Yeah, Dang. they didn't. They didn't make a bowl game. Oh, that sucks. The Roadrunners. It's easier to recruit for the Roadrunners in San Antonio than it is for El Paso. Yeah, oh. the Miners in El Paso. Which, low key, you know, we talked about vacations uh, in the Mountain West. They're all I ever wanted. El Paso, awesome. Okay. Gets like five star, two thumbs up stamp approval. Well, I have to get away, but when I do, El Paso. El Paso, in the West Texas town of El Paso. Yeah. Um, I don't see El Paso doing a, a lot. Rice hired a new coach, so it'll be interesting to see what they. Yeah, they yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think I think it's got to be Old Dominion. Old Dominion was actually pretty good as an FCS program. They kind of just said to heck with it and started a lot of young players last year. So you're hoping that they got better. I think again the problem is they just have a tough schedule to kind of face off with, and I mean Virginia Tech, East Carolina, Florida Atlantic. Middle Tennessee, North Texas, yeah, Florida Internet. I mean, they could beat ECU pretty easily. <laughs> they might, yeah, they might actually. <laughs> I can honestly see them beating ECU. That that would not surprise me that much, honestly. They have eighteen starters coming back. They so, did. They won three of their last four last year, including a win over Florida International. Yeah, so. I, I think I think uh, Old Dominion would make the most sense. Yeah, out of that, I, but Lord, are those those picking slim. And then the other, the other two teams we'll hit on really quick. So FIU, you were high on them. Obviously, they've got a very talented coach. The problem is they've kind of got to run up against uh, FAU. Yeah, they've got a lot to replace from last year's team too. Uh, if I remember, if I look at it, they they lost a ton of guys on both sides of the ball. Quarterback, they got to replace. Running back, they got they've got three starters back on offense and four starters back on defense. So that's really going to be tough. The schedule, FAU, Marshall. Yep. Yeah, you know, they play at Miami, which they're not going to win. Nope. They play Indiana, which they're not going to win. Do you think they'll win the fight, though? <laughs> Against Miami again? Yeah. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> it's, it's in Miami, though. I don't, I don't know. That sets them up for a pretty confident fight there. The You know, they went to a bowl game last year, which, no. Yep, they, beat, they lost to Temple in the Gasparilla Bowl. Yeah, I remember that one. So... I mean, I think I th- again. I think they're going. Places. I could I could see a bowl game somewhere on there. Well, I think they'll. I think they're a steadily improving team. They're just not going to hit the highlights until Lane Kiffin gets the hell out of there. Yeah, and the question is how how long of a stay is Butch Davis really? He's an older coach. I mean, he's in his mid sixties. Is this his last stop? You think, or is he actually looking? I to I, I think it's. Pro- I mean, he's sixty six years old. Oh. He flamed out when he was with the Browns. He's got the specter of the shenanigans and the suspensions and the NCAA investigations at North Carolina. So yeah, it's probably it's probably him. It's probably his last set. Well, with that in mind, let's talk about our last team, Western Kentucky. What what do we have to say about them? They went six and seven last year, and they lost to George State in the Cure Bowl. I mean, that's pretty much my thoughts. Is like. Western Kentucky, I don't really have anything bad to say about them, but I don't really have anything good to say about them. They're about as middle of the road as middle of the road gets. Yeah, they they kind of tanked. They went from 45 points a game to 25 points a game in Stanford's first year last yeah, Stanford's first year last year replacing Jeff Brom. Uh, Western Kentucky's kind of been a, a springboard for guys, Willie Taggart, Bobby Petrino, Jeff Brom, you know, yeah, guys well, that put a lot it's a, one of those places where it's it's really hard to fail, but it's also like nobody really wants to stay around, so you don't really succeed. It's yeah, kind of weird. Yeah, they have a quarterback battle, which is going to be interesting. They had a senior that played in eight games, sophomores and freshmen fighting for it. The defense, I don't know how great they were. Yeah, you know, the schedule they play at Wisconsin and at Louisville in the first three weeks. I mean, those are losses. F F A U and F I U, but honestly, and Marshall. But Maine, Ball State, Charlotte, UTEP, I don't think they make a bowl game. I just I don't I don't see enough games that I feel confident about them winning six to go to a bowl game. I don't know. Who who's to say? I think they might be able to pull an upset. Yeah, but there's just uh there's too many in too my many. in my mind there's too many games that I think they're guaranteed to lose. Alright, well 
It's hard to say right now, but yeah, I tend to side with your evaluation. You know more about those teams on their list. Well, hey, we covered all the teams. Yeah. Honestly, I th- I'm surprised. We did a pretty good job considering we had to hit all two conferences. So uh, next week it's going to be... We actually sounded like we knew what we were talking about, so that's always good. I mean, more or less. Considering, <laughs> considering uh, there was supposed to be an additional researcher, but sadly uh, he couldn't make it. It's but, all good. He's, um, he, he's got a baby. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, thanks as always to our listeners out there. Uh, next week we're going to be talking about the independence and the Sun Belt, so hopefully it'll be a little easier on everybody. <laughs> I'll have to cover 15 million teams. Uh, Sunbelt's got a lot of teams, actually. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they're going to have as Although, issue. I mean, who, who do the Sunbelt we need to talk about? Appalachian State, well, Arkansas we, State. We get to talk about the independent powerhouse that is UMass. Um, um, and Army West Point. Yeah, I know. You're so excited. Are you going to go to the Duke game? I might. That is a, that's a Friday opening weekend, right? That is the first opening weekend. I, I mean, I have. A, I don't think tickets will be hard to get, so we might be okay. I looked on Vivid Seat. They're like five bucks. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> we, we might can go there. We, we should tailgate like the whole day anyway. and see how rowdy we can get for an Army Duke game. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm kind of curious what the fan base is like for an Army game. Where it's like, <laughs> how rowdy do Army people get? You know, we are, we are about an hour, hour and a half outside of Fort Bragg, so. Oh, yeah, that's true. Anyway, uh, thanks as always to our listeners. Thanks for putting up with our stuff. If you have any questions or comments, send us an email at tomeatleather at gmail.com and look for our Twitter account at tomeatleatherthr. Uh, and good night, everybody. <laughs>